Yeah, I'm John. Uh, John Hancock. I um, I I'm trying to think how I describe myself. I build cars is the one I'm comfortable with. Mm. Um, so I build um, classic um, outlaw Porsches, resto mods if you like, and play with race cars and um, hot rods, and um, yeah, recently been doing a bit of tv work and so on so yeah lots and lots man of all trade or jack of all trades masters of none i think probably describes me pretty well i've hit record now okay so we can talk in some sort of direction okay which is about as structured as we we're going to get Okay, well, we won't get very structured because I'm not a very structured person. No, neither am I, which suits me down to the ground doing yeah. this because I we'll just, just get go to go and go. Let's yeah, have yeah. a chat. Um, so I'm conscious that I'm going to get a bit of echo if I'm facing that way, so I'm going to face this way. Echo? Well, we are in your huge workshop. Yes. And I can see your very lovely 308 from here. Yeah. So if I wander off with my eyes, <laughs> you get all magnum me. Yeah, <laughs> you get all magnum yeah, on me. It's like, oh, I've never spotted that before. <laughs> yeah, it's when the Dobermans come out, you've got to worry. Yeah, <laughs> just oh, slide shit. the door shut. <laughs> so we're also sat in a, it's not a split, but it is a no. camper, a proper VW camper, yeah. original star one. Yeah. Mark, um, thanks for lending us your camper for this podcast. It was very much appreciated. It's been very useful. It's much more comfortable <laughs> yeah. than a concrete. He did say floor. use it whenever you want, but I don't think this this is what he had in mind. Wait, it could be worse. It could be a fake taxi, so <laughs> Yeah. I don't think he'd appreciate that one. No, I don't think he would. I recognise those seats. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah. I'm sorry anyway. my friend John. So the only question I do have is who are you and what do you do? Okay, so yeah, I'm John, uh, John Hancock. I, um, I, I'm trying to think how I describe myself. I build cars is the one I'm comfortable with. Mm. Um, so I build um, classic um, outlaw Porsches, resto mods if you like, and play with race cars and... Um, uh, hot, for the sound deadening. hot rods. And um, yeah, recently been doing a bit of TV work and so on. So yeah, lots and lots. Man of all trade, or jack of all trades, masters of none, I think probably describes me pretty well. Well, um, it keeps things interesting at least. Doesn't yeah, it? absolutely, absolutely. But I'm a car guy, so I've been into cars since I was a kid. And um, yeah, been into cars since I was a kid. Always been a car guy. Always seemed to have gone towards classics, which... Um, up until recently, probably got you ostracised more than anything. I was into like, um, the old stuff. No, I don't know. I've just never. Do, do you know what? I my my father's always been into cars, and although he's not allowed lots of cars by any means, um, but he's always been into cars, and he's always been into looking after his cars and working on his cars. So he's, his cars are always immaculate, mm. uh, and he's you know he's had a couple of you know interesting cars. Probably weren't as interesting then as they are now, um, but. Um, always had classic car magazines around the around the place. Practical Classics, as was back in the day. Well, I suppose it's still around, isn't it? Practical, practical Classics, but certainly was probably the the magazine that was always on the side. And I'd always end up sitting there looking at it, and you know, looking at the cars that I'd like to own, and and so on. 
strangely enough, I've never owned the one that I actually really wanted back in the day, but that's by the by. What was uh, that? Um, Triumph Herald 12, 12, 1250 convertible, believe it or not. That was the, the dream car. That was the, that was the classic that, you know, when you read practical classics in the 80s, um, 90s, how old was I? 80s, late 80s, late 80s, <laughs> mid 80s to late 80s, folks. Um, 1997. No, yeah, no, God, I got married then. No, I didn't. I met my wife then. Um, so in the late 80s, uh, I was born in 72, so do the maths. Um, I was heavily into cars by the time I was sort of 13, 14. Yeah. Um, my father had a Porsche 924, which at the time was very new. It's very cool. It was. In fact, it's still one of the nicest cars out there. So if you ever see it, it's known universally as Melons because the registration number is SNO73W, which if you turn it upside down, says Melons. That's it's cool. a white um, 94 Lux um, with, it's now got script interior, but it did have Pasha. Um, and it's still out there. It's just changed hands because the owner asked me if I wanted to buy it. And at the time, I every sentimental bit of me wanted to buy it, but it was... <laughs> 94, which I'm never going to drive anymore. <laughs> I did own it at one stage, so uh, it was mine, and I sold it when it was worth absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, so I was always brought up around cars, and it's always been cars have always been part of me, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and of course, when I was 17, it was the freedom. You know, I don't know whether that's the case as much now, but it was when I was 17. It was the it was your freedom to go and do what you wanted to do. So you connected to the outside world. Almost. Yeah, it was. Um, we had a friend who was a little bit older than us who drove, um, and he was driving a year or so before us, uh, and we went everywhere in his car and so on and so forth. But there was this freedom that when you when you passed your test that you could go out and drive and go where you wanted and do what you wanted and so on and so forth. I went to a boarding school and so on, so it was quite a strict strictish upbringing yeah uh, you know not terrible but it was quite a strict it was quite a strict upbringing and my parents were quite uh, quite strict with me really so there was really quite a level of of um freedom that was bought by the car and then you know things sort of progressed from there so what was your first car metro oh nice. yeah metro <laughs> in that ready orange color and it was the hle so it had the integrated indicators in the front <laughs> rather than having the ones in the bumpers, yeah, the, yeah. the basic one. Uh, and I had that. I bought that when I was 16, believe it or not. Um, I worked very hard in my dad's hotel at every opportunity yeah, yeah. <laughs> and saved up and bought my own car. And um, I cleaned it all up, you know, got all the bumpers off and cleaned all behind it and everything else as you do. And I, I absolutely love that thing. And I passed my test in September and um crashed it in october though yeah well no i crashed <laughs> on christmas eve um that same year i crashed it on christmas eve um i was at the, the traffic lights and somebody i went to turn right and somebody came through red and hit me in the side and when i say bananaed it i yeah. mean bananaed it it's so lucky nobody was in the passenger seat um but, but of course cars weren't renowned for being strong no i mean the, the b pillar was pretty much <laughs> where the handbrake was however um, uh, you can imagine the following day, 
um, Christmas Day, every present I had was car related. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and it was like, oh my God, we're so sorry, John. We've got Back in the day when you got a tin of Simon eyes and a, and a, and a, and a, and a chamois leather and yeah. all the other stuff that you might get, uh, you know. As a 17 year old with a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was all, uh, it was all car related. So, yeah, that was, um, <laughs> yeah. A bit sweet then. Uh, yeah, it was a bit sweet. I, uh, but we rebuilt it. So we had it rebuilt. Um, somebody in Smethwick rebuilt it for us. Um, and I, I used that for... Do you know what? I can't remember how long. Probably three or four years. I think my sister had it after me. Fair enough. And then eventually the a gearbox gave up. And I don't know what happened to it after that. <laughs> it just disappeared, wasn't it? Yeah, must have done. So how did you get into building cars and what was the connection to that? Um, so uh, that's a bit weird. So I've always looked after my own cars. So from the Metro, um, we, I, I always say we when I mean I. Um, I do the same thing. And then I'm going like, catch myself going, why am I talking about myself? Yeah, it's place? like there's this big... I think you almost... It puts a barrier between you and the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's not me. Um, it's like when people back. ask people ask what we're doing in the workshop, and you're like, well, we're doing this. And I yeah. think, well, actually, it's only me. <laughs> the hell? Yeah, Who's yeah. this other person? It's the same with all little, the stuff. Yeah, all, all the elves come out in the yeah. middle of the night and repair things. This is what we're up to um, at the minute. It's yeah. just me wandering around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today, we're going to be working on this, but actually, it's me, and I'm working on it, and nobody yeah. else is there, and the only people me that come in. Me and the voices in my head. <laughs> exactly, we're working on yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, many a true word spoken in jest. So anyway, Anyway, um, how did I get into cars? Uh, how did I get into building cars? So I always played with cars. Um, I think when I was, I always wanted a Beetle. So uh, my interest in cars was classics, but also, again, I'm of that generation where we grew up with classic uh, custom car magazine, street machine magazine, and a magazine then, uh, again, not meaning to sound ridiculously old, but a magazine then was a big thing. Yeah. You went down to Menzies, WH Smiths, wherever it was you got your magazines of choice from. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the day it came out, you went down there and bought it because you'd been waiting for two or three weeks for it to come out. Well, it's not social media. In your yeah, it's not the instant. Time, it? There's yeah. no instant gratification like there was then. You know, we're talking pre-internet. We're talking pre-phones. We're talking, you know, this is our outlet to the outside world. And during those days, the hot rod scene, the, the British hot rod scene was very much around, you know, your Zephyrs and your Cortinas and whatever. But there was also the throwback to the, the original sort of hot rods, 32 Fords, 34 Fords, etc. Um, you know, tri-Chevys, uh, 55, 56, 57 Chevys. And they were the real sort of, you know, dream cars, if you like. That was what you, you really wanted. Yeah. Um, and those magazines started featuring uh, Volkswagens all of a sudden so two people as far as I'm concerned in particular was Keith Seum who's still around um, uh, and very much part of uh, the Porsche scene these days and um, a guy called Colin Burnham who started featuring um, Beatles, Volkswagens in those publications and then Colin Berman wrote a couple of books, um, Classic Volkswagens and Air Cool Volkswagens, which were about the Volkswagen scene. Yeah. Uh, one was very, very much classic Volkswagens, um, but the other one was very much about the whole California scene, the, um, you know, the sort of Huntington Beach and, uh, you know, Nick's Burgers and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and the whole California lifestyle that Volkswagen sort of represented then, which was a bit weird. 
It is um, funny how they became synonymous with yeah, like and then, the and Baja bug. Yeah, and, and they became, and then they sort of, things took off over here and there was that whole scene, which is still very big now, what they call back, back to 89 then, but in 89 it was just the Volkswagen scene because yeah. nobody needed to go back to 89 because we weren't in the future. <laughs> um, and a couple of people put on things like Bug Jam and so on and so forth. And, and again, with no real knowledge, people turned up to Bug Jam and I was one of those people. Um, and I started working in the VW scene. I bought myself a Beetle. Um, and although we wanted the American sort of hot roddy things, we couldn't afford those. Um, you know, they were a lot of money. They still are. And Volkswagens were very um, easy to get hold of. They were very easy to work on. Um, you know, you could mechanic on them. So my first sort of car that I, if you like, customised was a, was a Beetle. Um, and... Um, that uh, that was amazingly badly done with with very little skill or knowledge. <laughs> That's how you learn, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, um, but it was a lot of fun. And then I bought a Rover P4. The obvious next choice. <laughs> I bought a Rover P4 <laughs> I think and, Rover and decided. P4 on the way here. Yeah, I bought a Rover P4 and I drove it around in stock form, which were for an 18 or 19 year old must have been quite a funny sight. Um, and then also, uh, and then I decided to roof chop it on in i lived with a friend of mine and i decided to roof chop it in the back of his house uh, in the sort of little bit of land at the back of the garden um which just didn't go well at all and i bought my first welder and i think i welded most of it up without any sort of helmet whatsoever and discovered archive really really quickly <laughs> and um yeah discovered that you couldn't weld aluminium with a mig welder and things like that you know the stuff that you'd now google and know straight away but yeah. google didn't exist um so that was that was all good fun um and uh yeah i had a couple of sensible cars um golf mark one cabrio which I, I really liked um and a nova which sounds very cool now but it wasn't then it was a box standing over yeah, yeah um but anyway and then i had a couple of company cars so i went to work for people i had a couple of company cars and they were you know you sort of peugeot 306 gti's and things like that or whatever the diesel cool. was yeah it was the diesel three door whatever the yeah. gttd oh, i can't remember what it was but at the time yeah, yeah. diesels were great and it was such an amazing car um so i had a couple of those and so on and then i weren't i i actually sort of started doing it more seriously, probably about um, probably about twenty years ago. Right. And um, yeah, and I I bought a VW split screen camper, the twenty one window deluxe, and I bought a bay window uh, back when you could buy one for very very little money, and I played with them in the garage and on the drive, which <laughs> is not a good idea when you've got neighbours in close proximity. So I ended up renting a, a workshop, a small workshop, and that then became a slightly bigger workshop that I shared with someone. And then because I was putting stuff on forums, mm. people started asking me to do little jobs for them, local people, whatever, which I started to do. And um, when I, uh, the natural progression, when I ended up leaving my, my job, which I had at the time and fell out of love with at, at one stage or another. Um, it was the sort of thing where we sort of said, you know what, I haven't really got anything else I can do. Yeah. 
other than working sales again, which I didn't want to do. So I started doing it full time and somehow we've been doing it for full time for about 15 years and I'm still not too sure how we've ever paid a bill in our entire <laughs> life of doing that. No, always, always, that. Yeah. always mystified in that respect. My cars are totally separate. So my cars is a totally different, separate story. That's, uh, that's um, just a massive story of luck and uh, lack of judgment and uh, just uh, strangeness really. But um, well, we've spoken about that before because people often see the cars that you've been fortunate enough to own and drive and play with and tinker with and go, oh, you're lucky. And you're like, it's not that kind of luck. The luck is that I happen to be in the right place at the right time yeah, I mean, to afford it rather than just the... It's not even the right place and the right time to afford it. It's more a case of... Um, so, I... My first... So, take the Samba aside and the Bay Window aside... Um, because the Samba, um, which is a hugely expensive car now and, and, and was, you know, even more so 10, 10 years ago. But when I bought it, I bought a 21 window Samba for four grand full of bits. Yeah. I sold the bits I didn't need and I was probably into the car for three grand. Right. I did a load of work on it, a lot of it in my garage, but I did a load of work on it and, and that's where we were. Um, so you know, taking that one aside... Um, the bay window ended up going to a friend of mine and there wasn't really any money made on that. That was just a, a, a deal that me and me and my friend had. But if you like my car collection, if you want to call it that, and I'm doing bunny ears here because um, <laughs> it's not a car collection. Um, my car collection is started from a purchase of a £200, genuinely £200 um, VW... 412 that didn't run that was rotting away that was sat in somebody's garden yeah and i purchased that and a sort of series of events sort of happened without the meaning to so i bought it with all and i do every car i buy i buy it with the intention because i want it or i've always liked them or i've got a bit of a thing for them or whatever and the list is longer than i'll ever remember but there's always, I've, I've, I don't buy anything and think, oh, I can flip that or, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll buy that because I know somebody else likes it. It's always been, oh, I quite like those. I'll, you know, I can see myself in one of those and I have that man math thing and that boy thing that just says, oh, yeah, if I bought that and I did this bit and that bit and that bit and that bit, I, it'd be great. I could do whatever I wanted with it. Well, yeah, yeah. we all do that. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a male trait. Women probably do the same thing. They're just not stupid enough to tell us about it. Um, <laughs> but um, we do tend to um, just think, oh, that'd be a really good idea. So I bought that car about the same time as a company called Type 2 Detectives and built a Brasilia which was the first of its kind at the time, slammed on the ground on Porsche Fuchsias, really cool, really broke the mould, which, you know, to be fair, Type 2 detectives have always done a bit of that. I've known Paul since we were 17, and, you know, we go back years. Um, and he's always sort of done that sort of stuff. And at the time, I thought, well, that'd be cool, do that sort of thing. Anyway, sat in the corner of my old workshop for six months or however long, and I just thought, you know what, really not that bothered about this yeah, yeah i'll see it down the road so i put an advert on one of the pages forums whatever it might have been the type three and four owners club i can't remember saying i'd be interested in selling it or i'd do a swap for a pre-67 beetle so beetles there's a massive cut off at 67 between desirability and not quite so desirable not meshing to offend anybody that might have a post-67 beetle and some guy rung me 
and said, oh, I'd be interested in doing a deal. All right, what have you got? And he told me. I don't stack up. So anyway, straight away, as, as I often do in these situations, you, 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 know, you, you leave it too long, you don't get anywhere. So straight away, I drove down to Weymouth with this thing on the back of a trailer, had a look at this Beetle, which was a 67... Uh, 67 uh, 1300 in Fontana Grey which is probably the nicest colour in a Beetle for my you know from that era yeah um, it was running it was driving it was on the road it was in a bit of a mess totally original and um, I did straight swap and bought nice. it and I couldn't get my hat off um, because it's a really cool car you know yeah, the whole yeah. car was really cool and um, in fact, I still have a piece of it. So in my 356, there is a black um, turtle wax. Turtle. Yeah. Now, turtle wax turtles are normally green. From what I understand, and somebody I'm sure will correct me, but from what I understand, when turtle wax first saw, thought of that idea of giving away the little plastic turtle with the turtle wax, yeah, yeah. to save money, they did it in black rather than green right. to see whether it worked. Yeah, so I've yeah. got a black one, and I'm sticking with that story because I think it's cool. I've cool. still got that. It's in my 356 on the dashboard because I thought it was cool. Um, and I, I, away I came. I did a bit of work on it. I put some new heads on it, and you put new barrels on it, which sound, or put new barrels and pistons on it, which sounds massive, but it isn't on a beetle. Took it to... Well, they're air-cooled, so you've got half of the annoying stuff. Isn't yeah, it? The, the water's not there. Yeah. Um, and if it is, you really have got a problem. Um, yeah, it I took it to Volksworld a couple of months later, and a friend of mine, Tom, wanted, loved it and wanted the car. So I did a deal with him on a 61 Beetle. And I bought an engine off him as well at the same time, I think. So sorry if the details of that are wrong, Tom, because my memory's not the best. And um, that was that. Drove the 61 home. No problem at all. A couple of weeks later, another friend of mine had a 58 right, 58 right hand drive semaphore Cabrio Carmen Beetle, which he was selling as a project. Just the ultimate Cabrio for me yeah. is, a, is, a, is an early, especially semaphore. Uh, it's not quite as nice as an oval, but probably a little bit rarer. And um, he wanted a deal. So I swapped the car that I'd just swapped for the other car that I'd swapped for a £200 car for this cabrio and yeah, a load like of parts. The Volkswagen guy version of the paperclip guy. It was like, I swapped a paperclip for a pen for a this, for that, and then he ended up with like a house or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that sort of thing. So, and then I ended up with a cabrio. And then, cutting it short, the cabrio became a Chevy truck. A Chevy truck became a 53 barn door ambulance. The 53 barn door ambulance became a TVR Cerbera. <laughs> the TVR Cerbera, in with another deal, became the 356, and so on. And, and it yeah, sort yeah. of goes from there. So, and, and even now, if I get any spare money, I tend to buy a car. Again, something I like, whatever it may be, I, I've bought... Well, that Corvette's the latest edition. That's yeah. nothing like anything else that you've got knocking around. No, no, no. The Corvette's... So the Corvette is something I saw... I've done... So the Corvette's a long story. So the Corvette is one that during this last year, 2023, I have become very good friends with a guy called Craig Blake-Jones, who has uh, a magazine paddock life and also is making a tv program called paddock speed shop and through our friendship and 
comedy of errors, um, I've ended up helping the programme um, with some, um, just some assistance racing, basically. Let's call yeah. it that. I do a bit of pit work. I do a bit of spannering, a bit of mon spanner monkeying and provide an amount of, shall we say, support and cohesion. So the, the programme is about younger people, so it's not about me. Um, I'm, I'm there as a support, shall we say. Um, and uh, that's been very, very enjoyable. What I've loved about that is being at the racing. So we've raced uh, Citroen C1 to get the um, licensing up, but we've also raced a, um, a genuine Cobra, which was lent to them. And the Cobra racing at Silverstone, racing at Alton Park, etc. I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed the whole spectacle of the racing and so on and so forth. Although I have no intention of racing in any way, shape or form myself. And I was up at the classic motorhub at Bybury, 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 whatever yeah, it is. I, um, I, I was up there with Craig and Motel, who were one of the big sponsors of the, the show. And I had the 356, Craig had the Cobra, and Andy from Motel had his M3. Obviously. Obviously, just to fit in. It's a very nice red it's like M3. like if I'd turn up in the 86. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Andy, sorry, times. mate. We love your M3. Um, and um, in, I had a look around the showroom, as you do. Let's go and have a look at all the stuff I can't nice afford. Showroom, Let's yeah. have a look at all the stuff. I do have a little bit of a penchant for pre-war stuff. Oh, this one's got a, a millimeter <laughs> sticker on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this one was driven by Sterling Moss yeah. on the weekend when he was having a bit of a laugh. Um, yeah, so I do have a bit of a penchant for, for, for pre second world war cars um going back to my 32 days but also i like that gentleman racer single seater yeah. you know proper stupid driving really um back when everyone was like oh this leather cap will save me in a yeah crash. yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna bother with seat belts but the leather cap will stop me at yeah. 50 if i happen to fall off this cliff at the side of the road in yeah. geneva um yeah so um I, I i was having a wonder round, and um this corvette just caught my eye and I thought you know what this is it's the Corvette equivalent of the Cobra yeah. it's massive engine stupidly no brakes proper balls out car and looks amazing it looks to me like an American fighter plane yeah. it's as simple as that it looks like an American fighter it's like getting into a, a you know a, a, a P11 Mustang whatever they are um, you know it just it's got that thing about it yeah. and I was like do you know what I like this. So anyway, I very much embarrassed myself trying to get in and out of it, which I found incredibly difficult. Well, we've been in and out of it today, and it is incredibly hard to do, no matter what position you try and get in yeah. or out well, from. Well, try it with a Tillet B6 Screamer seat in it that's about <laughs> three inches wider than your arse, three inches narrower than your arse. Um, <laughs> it's almost impossible. And, and I think somebody did video me, which they found quite hilarious. Anyway, um, so I had a look at this thing, and, and it was up at a price and I sort of made a very tentative inquiry and um, shall That's we say that one though, thing one yeah. one thing led to another and it took a lot of time so on the the Monday after Goodwood Revival yeah. which was a good three or four months afterwards we actually agreed a price and a deal and sort of went from there and I picked it up the third week of November when it was eventually paid for. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, and, and I got it at what I think is a good price and I have had to do a lot to it to make it 
yeah. even as roadworthy as it is now, <laughs> which you'd argue is not exactly. Well, we've <laughs> it's, been out in it. It's so... not jumping in a Golf GTI, is it? No, um, but we have been out in it today because of this like YouTube series that I would like to make work somehow. I mean, I just find rods for my own back all over the place. And go, yeah. I'm going to do YouTube now. Yeah, Wouldn't that be fun yeah. and yeah. not at all time consuming? Um, so we've been out in it today and it looks like a handful just to keep it going down the road. The it, it amount is. of constant input that yeah, you were doing just to keep it. Yeah. I mean, we are in the countryside where the roads aren't. Yeah, the roads aren't the best around here, but it's not, um, you know, you can put it on a billiard table and it's still a bit of a handful. Yeah. Um, and there's some wonderful footage online of it um, from, I think it's Goodwood, testing at Goodwood in the wet prior oh, God, to my ownership. And he's going down the back straight and he is working the steering wheel like a saw, yeah. trying to keep it in a straight line because it's just <laughs> huge amounts of, of power and torque going through some pretty skinny... Are there live rear axles on them? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's just tires. skinny tires and the tires are designed to slip anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty mad. It's pretty mad. But it's, it's so the, the car I, I purchased, just not just because I liked it, that you know, sort of flies in the face yeah, of yeah. you. Um, but, you know, uh, I was able to... Um, to make it happen and in the process of making it happen uh, we had the idea of um, a would speed shop like to use it f to race moving forwards um, which we're fairly confident is going to happen mm -hmm. I'm fairly confident it's going to happen they're fairly confident it's going to happen we just you know just have to um, get the ball off the uh, get the ball rolling as such and also, um, I'm going to do uh, something entirely different, which is, uh, or for me, is entirely different. So we, we started a company um, called the Race Odyssey, yep. and the idea is that um, we, we, I <laughs> will be <laughs> able say, I'm to. I'm not involved in no, this at no, all. No, no, no. <laughs> I thanks for will, the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pay is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's really time yeah, yeah, pay is terrible. Um, so um, yeah, I'll be able to offer um, a, 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 a paid-for race seat. In other words, if there are any gentlemen drivers out there that want to race in with what I'm going to call the big boys, you know, it's it's eligible for the very best of the best in hardtop GT racing. So yeah. 250 GTO and its ilk, the bread van, the famous Ferrari bread van, all the E-type lightweights. Yeah. All the big cobras, you, all the things that men of a certain age get a little bit hot under the collar about. Absolutely. Um, that's not going to get you a divorce. Um, really, really, really is eligible to race against. Well, the so, car itself raced at Le Mans Classic. Before. Yeah, so the car's raced at Le Mans Classic. The car's raced at Goodwood, um, at Donington, at various other races around the country uh, and Europe. Um, and I suppose the ultimate aim is to find a couple of drivers that would like to race at Le Mans again. Yeah. Le Mans again. Um, and we can supply the car. I'm going to have a very cool car transporter to transport it around in. So not your average, you know, millionaire turns up in a Volvo, brand new, 23 plate, yeah, big truck, big truck yeah, yeah. painted in a cool colour uh, with their logos on. This is going to be a, a 1949 Thornycroft lorry, which will be converted um, with a pit team and timers and the ability to actually work on the car on track. Uh, and hopefully provide a car that is um, a huge amount of fun, reliable, 
and um, sustainable. You know, uh, everything's moving out sustainable fuel now, so Paddock Life will certainly race on sustainable fuel. Um, uh, the car's outlived its own life in terms of carbon footprint many, many times over. It's 1962, so it's 62 years old, so that's yeah, way, yeah. way beyond the point where it's it's not, you know, sort of almost biodegraded itself. And um, uh, and be able to deliver something that that is fairly unique um, in that marketplace. Yes, if you want to go racing, you can do single series things in things like radicals and whatever, and there's various other things there, but not to be able to rock up at Le Mans and, and so on and so yeah, forth, which is, mark, you know, that, that's a different kettle of fish, and it's a really, really, um, you know, the paddocks are just amazing, you know, the things that go on in the paddocks and whatever. So, yeah, it's 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 an opportunity for me. It's an opportunity for... Um, potential drivers and you know uh, it just if you want to go and race a single race somewhere you want to go and do a classic GT race at Alton Park or you want to do the Castle Coombe Classic just down the road you can do you know that, yeah, that's yeah. what it's there for that's what it's there for and uh, it's, you know it's a really cool thing and it's because there are these um, like you pay for a seat series mm. like the Enduro KAs are a perfect example of this where yeah. you'll get several teams that run a couple of cars and they go right it's X amount per race. Yeah. Do as many as few as you want. You're just paying for your seat and we'll manage yeah, everything yeah. else. And that's a really popular thing. So yeah. this is kind of taking that concept and going, right, what's the coolest yeah, it's, we can it, do with Exactly. That? That's taking that concept to, 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 yeah, it's taking that to the point where um, actually, you, you know, you, you really are racing with the, the pinnacle of cars from that era. And there's an argument that that's the pinnacle of cars. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of... Um, that sort of generation, that 60s generation of sports cars and sports car racing is just amazing. You know, it's like 70s Formula One. It's it's that same Next sort level, of thing. It's it? just proper stupid racing. Um, That's where all the nostalgia comes from. Mm, yeah, and it's the, you know, it's the same as rallying. If you're going to rally something, you want to rally a Group B, B car. Why would you want to rally anything else? Yeah. Um, you know, the downside is that A, Group B cars are hugely expensive. And B, um, and B, um, I guess you need a little bit, of, a little bit of skill to do it as well. Yeah, I think um, a Group B car is not quite as easy to jump into. No, 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 absolutely not. I think cars. that would make the Corvette look incredibly tame. Actually, that would be like jumping into a brand new Golf GTI. So yeah, that's the that's that's where the Corvette is. Um, which is yeah, I think I think that's I think it's going to be a, a cool thing, and uh, oh, yeah, we're enjoying so. it. Yeah, yeah, we're enjoying having it. I'll which is really um, I'll good. put some photos up and the link to the YouTube video if it's out on the Patreon that I run alongside this, just because it's interesting stuff that people yeah, might hopefully yeah, find yeah, it's interesting. Good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other car that is probably your most well-known is the 356. Yes. How has that evolved from when you got it? So, um, I, that's a little bit of a fate one, the 356, I think. I'd, for a long time, looked at projects at various cars mainly bringing them in from the states uh, 356 is to me i think it's one of the most beautiful cars ever made um and i'd always considered selling my samba to buy a 356 and obviously i couldn't sell the samba and just buy a 356 but that's the way it was um i went to completely randomly there's a pub in road just down the road and they have a classic car meet once a year and for some reason can't remember why but i went and i'm wandering around 
and there's this 356 in silver, lots of cracks in the paintwork, uh, not in a patina way, in a badly finished way. Yeah. Uh, interior was a bit tatty, outside was tatty, it looked a bit tatty. And I happened to know the guy that was with it. He was a, a guy that I know anyway, just locally through the VWC. And I was talking to him. And I said, you know, what's the, what's the crack with it? Uh, apart from anything else, I did the same as everybody still does. Is it a real 356? Yeah, because yeah. That's, the, that's the only downside of owning a 356, folks, is nobody thinks it's a real one. And you walk into <laughs> Halfords and it's parked outside and somebody goes, oh, look, there's a chisel. And you're like, no, it's not a chisel, for God's sake. It's, it's a 356. 356. And people don't even think it's a 356. In fact, I don't think some people know what a 356 is. They think they're chisels <laughs> before you start. Um, other kit cars are available, by the way. Um, so anyway, um, I sort of establish what it was. And there was a guy there who seemed to know an awful lot about 356s, and he was like, oh, you know, that's a 356 SC, which is what it says on the back. It's the correct engine for a 356 SC. You know, and I sort of said, well, what, you know, what, what's it worth? And he gave me a figure and said, if you can get it below that, you've stolen it. So the guy who owned it is a guy called Gordon, Gordon Davis, who brought stuff in from Japan, that's what he did for years. He, brought, he was one of the first people to bring in all the Hilux surfs and things like that yeah, back yeah. in the day. So he owned it and I got in contact with him and sort of said, you know, what's the number? He gave me a number, which was a reasonable amount less than the, this guy had said. And this is the, I was saying to you earlier, you know, prior to his recording, that I, I'm very much a guy of my word. I've got huge principles, massive principles, um, sometimes to my detriment. And one of the things I do is if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I sort of had a chat with him and sort of said, look, I don't have that sort of money lying around, but I do have a couple of cars. Is there a deal? No, it's got to be the money. So I ended up then selling the cars that I had. So I had three cars in particular that I sold, and those three cars basically added up to the price of the 356. Mm -hmm. Um and um i bought it i got it home and then i started going through it i had to do all the brakes i had to do all the suspension i had to do all the steering and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so you've sold your three cars you've got all this money together to buy the thing you go right now and now i can't use it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then it was it was it was what i would call it was done in japan so it had been sort of outlawed in japan and it was done to a fashion but it wasn't done very well i drove it I got it so it was drivable and I drove it for a while and then I went to the Stratford Festival of Motoring and I always meet up with the Porsche 914 guys who I've known for a long time from going to Belgium with them and we had a little display of all the 914s in my car and they're very into their cars and there's some beautiful cars in amongst those guys cars and you know they're very very good as good as they can get for a driver car really yeah and i i was a bit disgusted with how the paintwork was on mine so it had been painted that many times that the paint had actually split and things like oh, that right, and it was yeah. it just wasn't good and the door shuts were crap and you know lots of bits of it were just not good so i got home and i was a bit disgusted with it and the following day i stripped all the paint off it <laughs> <laughs> so i stripped it and i went through it so i did all the bodywork i did all the metal i did the paintwork, and I did all the detail bits that just made it what it is today. So, you know, whether it's 
the door straps that are all made out of recycled horse tack and the window pulls that are all made out of the same stuff and so on and so forth. I did all of that um, over one summer with the plan for my sister to use it for her wedding, which she did. Yeah. Uh, and also to get a feature in Hayburner magazine, which we did. Uh, and to take it to Lufkult when Lufkult went to Bista. So the first outing was taking it to Lufkult. Right. Which was a bit daunting because there were some bloody good cars there. Um, and and it, it all just sort of came together. It just... I, I'm not one to blame my own trumpet. You, you know that and from, again, conversations we've had in the past. But I do have a reasonably good eye for detail. Yeah. And I do have a reasonably good eye for, you know... I think the right piece makes a car, a set of wheels makes a car, the right accessory makes a car. Um, it's like an eye for style, isn't it? Yeah, there's just that, and, and I'm not pretending to be any sort of style guru or anything, because I'm not, you've only got to take one good look at me when I'm out and about to know that. Um, eccentric maybe, but not style not Well, when style I said guru. I was coming down, you said, are we going to do anything with video? And Or if we can get the car, and, oh, I'll have to put some jeans on. <laughs> yeah, because, well, anybody that comes into my workshop, I'm normally head to foot in grease and dirt. And I don't like it. It's not. It's not an image I, you know. But it's necessary. There's no point coming into work in a suit and tie because you ruin it in three seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either that, or I get my tie caught in the grinder because um, <laughs> that's you know that's standard goes, standard yeah. issue. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, and I, I'm not a guy who goes out and spends a lot of money on stuff. I tend to buy things as and when I see them. So hence the reason I've got piles of junk that you know people seeing. Oh, what the bloody hell have you got that for? And well, actually, that's to go on this car in the future. Um, so I do that a lot. So, you know, I've got things like original her timing clocks in there. Um, they don't work, but I don't care. I'd rather have a set that don't work that are genuine her ones and a genuine her holder yeah, rather yeah. than have a set of repro ones that work. Yeah, but they're just use them either way, Anybody can go and buy a set of repro ones. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're available. And I, I have this little bit of thing about them stuff being genuine, stuff being the original thing. Um, the well, original it takes accessories. Work to do that, though. That's why. I just it's think not it makes. To do. I just think there's, it's something about getting it right. The the look of a car, the way it looks, and having the right accessories or the right amount of accessories and not too many, I think just makes a car. I remember seeing a picture of Lewis Ham Lewis Hampton. I don't know. He's still got it. He's got a Cobra, one of the big four twenty sevens, and it's got. It, it's in dark blue, it's a patina, and it's got the right, even that, it's got the right stance, it's got the right tyres on it, yeah. the right wheels on it. It's just period correct. And I, I, I don't make comments like on things like this very often on social media because I don't do social media like that. But I remember making the comment, it's one thing having the money to buy that car, but getting it looking like that is another world because yeah. it was just the perfect cobra yeah it really was and, and and it was amazing so i'm very much into that and you know you've seen my 32 which the actual body is in 100 pieces so yeah. i did actually get my 32 ford by the way after all these years after actually, all that time i actually got bought a 32 ford well, it's not just last a year. 32 ford either, is it? <laughs> so i have the most dilapidated 32 ford five window in the world um but it is not just any 32 ford so i was again this is luck so I had a phone call from a friend of mine who said that he knew of an estate where a, a Ford, uh, sorry, where a, a, a Plymouth was available, Plymouth Coupe. Was I interested? And I built a Plymouth Coupe with a friend of mine a couple of years before, and I thought, do you know what? That'd be cool. Um, so I went and have a look, and this thing was awful. Uh, it was just horrendous. The car was built. 
the the quality of the build was horrendous. It was it was half done, yeah. sort of quarter done. It was just awful, and I, I feel bad because I'm talking ill of the dead, but you know it was awful. And sat next to it was a 32 Roadster, which was on original 32 rails, uh, and it had all the bits of a 32, uh, and it could be bought for a price. So I said, you know, it was the right price. So I said, yes, it had an original 32 Tycland. You know, it was the right thing, but the wrong thing, if that makes sense. Mm. I got it back here. And within a very short period of time, it was fairly obvious that the build quality was extended to this 32 as well as from this, this thing. Uh, and the same guy I spoke to said, I might know of a 32.5 window steel body. So I got his number and I messaged him and I sort of said, you know, do you mind if I have a chat with you? Wayne's told me about you, would you be interested in selling it? And he said, I don't know. But if I did, I'd want X amount of money for it. Right. And I went, okay. Now I'm the next salesman. If somebody gives you a price, it's for sale. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like fairly confident. Anyway, I happened to go karting with my son, or one of my sons, down in Newport. And we were at the bottom of the M5, the car was in Worcester. So I, I rung the guy who I have to say is a proper stand-up guy. He's a real cool guy. And he has a 32.3 window as well. So it's not like he was selling, yeah, his, yeah. selling his dream. He's also got a 32.3 window, which I suppose is holy grail. Um, and he, I sort of said, look, you know, I know you're a bit anxious about selling it. I said, can I come up and have a look? I'm not a million miles away. Can I come up and have a look? And then if it's of interest, it's of interest. We'll go from there. If it's not of interest, we can all stop worrying about it. Yeah, yeah. Is that okay? So I went up, met the guy, and we had a we had a really good chat, you know. And as you know, with with me, um, time tends to fly. We started this at eleven o'clock. Yeah. It's now dark. At I about uh, half past eight. I said I'll pop down. Like we'll um, we'll <laughs> do half an hour in the car doing video, <laughs> and then we'll sit and record for an hour. And I got here just before midday because it took longer than I anticipated. And it's now quarter past six. Yeah, we're still going strong. We're still trying. <laughs> and all we've had is a cup of tea and a couple of muffins. And four rich tea biscuits. Uh, well, I did have slightly more than four, <laughs> it must be said. Um, can we edit that out? Because I get no, in trouble. That's <laughs> it. No, that's it. You, it's on record. <laughs> rich now. tea. I eat a lot of your biscuits. Send me some biscuits, please. Um, I need sponsorship by Rich Tea. Um, anyway, so I got there and I was greeted by a car in hundreds of pieces so basically i've got one roof section in the back two doors and the cowl off the original car uh, and the original car is a 32 steel 32 five window coupe that was raced by a guy called earl wagner in uh knoxville and the car's relatively well known which i didn't know about at the time and um he's there's, there's a fair amount of history of this car which which the guy shared with me and all of his cars were painted pink, which yeah. is weird for a 32 anyway. It's weird for any car of that era. They're all number 77 or 777. And my understanding is they were all known as the Pink Ladies. Anyway, a deal was done and I ended up with the car. I ended up with two roofs, five doors, <laughs> all the bits basically. Um, the original bonnet, original 32 grill shell, because if I'm going to do a 32, it's got to be Perfect. I can't stress that enough. That has got to be, it's my holy grail car. It's the car I've wanted since I was a kid, as I said earlier. And actually, that's got to be perfect. And perfect to me is a mid-50s hot rod. Yeah. So 
I'm going to build it as that. I'm going to keep the color and everything else, but it, it all needs doing. But yeah, it's just a it's just a, a massive, massive project. So um, uh, yeah, and, and and as all my cars are when they start off, they generally start off. If you think of the if if the price range is five thousand to a hundred thousand, I probably bought the one at three thousand that really needed a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll build it gradually, and I'm not in any hurry. I tend to build things, and like I say, I, I find things I as I have. So at Bewley last year, I bought a radiator cap mm. for the 32 because I particularly liked the figure on the front of it. Yeah. And the figure on the front of it is quite a ghostly sort of, um, uh, a ghostly faced sort of chap. And it just looks cool. It's just mm. a nice thing. Um, and I have no idea what car it's off. I don't care what car is off. <laughs> it's going um, on this. 32. It's going on the thirty-two because yeah. it, it, and I'll make it fit because I think it's cool and I think it suits and so on and so forth. So it's all about getting the right part for the right car. But because I'm not in any hurry and I have a reasonable amount of projects, you can. There's not the pressure on. Yeah, you, you're not like oh I need that today, so you have to yeah, go yeah. out and buy the thing that you want for two and a half thousand quid. You you happen to find it in a swap meet for thirty quid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's how it's it works. Like that rear axle where you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to... I happen to come across the thirty six rear axle, which is sort of pretty much holy grail for that car. Yeah. Um, off a mate of mine who'd had it sat in a back of an articulated lorry for the last thirty years, and yeah, it was yeah. never going to go, so it's like for nothing. Thank goodness for hoarders. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we all, you know, can probably be accused of that as well. But well, you we just go. end up with bigger and bigger spaces to keep stuff. Yeah, well, this is as big as it's going to get. This is big enough. <laughs> if I need anything bigger than this, I think I've got a severe You've problem. To, yeah, you need yeah. to have some serious conversations. <laughs> I have the most understanding wife in the world when it comes to cars. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think if we got any bigger, she would probably, I think the boundaries of that uh, understanding <laughs> would the, be. The I'm in a quite unusual situation. If I went home in a new pair of trainers, I'd get into a lot more trouble than if I went home in another <laughs> car. I couldn't have a new air fryer, but you've got your trainers. <laughs> and how apt is that conversation? Because we've just picked up a new air fryer at the weekend. And it took a lot of convincing for me to spend 200 quid on an air fryer um, because our old one had broken. Um, because... We got ours at Christmas last year, 2022, mm. because... Um, um, my in-laws oven broke yeah and they only had one air fryer but we had like a full christmas dinner to make oh know, okay stuff it will go as the get a 30 quid air fryer yeah chuck a turkey and there off we go we've got it at our house it worked fine for over a year now yeah well we we, we had one before and we not neither myself or my wife are particularly um adventurous cooks and um it's just convenient so i tend yeah. to cook when i get home from work i cook for sam and so on and um and the, and the kids and it is just convenient but we started to get a bit more adventurous now and doing ready things in there and things like that which is quite cool so um you know a bit of uh you know tomato sauce with a bit of oh. blue cheese and all that sort of stuff Very around handy. your meat it, it's really yeah it's, it's tasty tasty gear um and uh yeah yeah, so I, I probably sit there and I work out how I tend to do that. If you spend 100 quid on something, you sort of think, right, if I use it 100, pint, 100 times, it's only a pound a go. I yeah, can probably yeah. stand on that. <laughs> I can get by with that. Yeah. That's well, a third of the year yeah, cupboard. It, it is. Yeah, yeah, it sounds stupid, but I have to justify things like that. Yeah. And then somebody offers me something ridiculous for a car on a Tuesday morning for 500 quid. And I'm like, yes, I'll have it. And then yeah, like those decisions made. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just... 
the, 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 it's just that split second. Yeah, got to have them. <laughs> Impulsive in one way. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculously meticulous in the other. Exactly. And um, But the thing is, and, and this is, I suppose, why Sam's my wife, um, why Sam is so uh, sort of understanding, apart from the fact that she knows that I, I sort of, um, you know, it's my, my massive hobby. But um, if I spend £100 on a car part, um, it either puts £200 on the value of the car that I'm putting it on or actually it helps towards the finishing of it or yeah. I can I, I very rarely buy something that I can't get out of the day after and I, I pretty you know if somebody offers me something I'm like look I don't mind buying it but I've got to buy it at this amount because this is what I need to be able to get out of it tomorrow if shit it's the fan yeah yeah um, and you know Sam we, we have the long standing understanding that if the, the shit hits the fan that the cars go you know that it's 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 it, it that is what happens um because of circumstances we've now got to the point where we have to have a particularly big shit in a particularly big fan to make us sell all the cars yeah. however these things can happen um and uh i suppose at the end of the day they'll they'll you know when we get to a a certain point in our lives it will be look we can't drive them anymore or why the hell have we got 10 cars and they're all <laughs> done straight and straight yeah 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 out. i can't get into the corvette <laughs> or any other cars for that matter yeah. so that will change and at that point we will almost certainly sort of cash in and maybe keep one or two and uh, or maybe buy something sensible and go and well, live in the south of france you never know yeah go and live in the, in the, in the fabled golf gti or maybe not <laughs> but yeah um well do you uh, find that the cars are a uh, a release for you because I think the challenge with a lot of people that work with cars if working on them is your job it's hard to keep the passion around cars whereas I think for you obviously your your main thing is the, the job side is the campers you're building the campers yeah you, I built does I, the cars give you a yeah, nice contrast to that it's, that not, it's not even that I mean I built I, I started out building VWs because that was how it came about with the um with the forums and stuff and, yeah. and hence the reason why my business was 65 deluxe because that was my forum name um i i've still got a couple of campers that i'm finishing for people uh, and they're being done to a silly high standard um i think the vw scene has changed to the point now where with the odd exception like the the two buses there uh, the, the scene has changed to the point where actually there aren't that many good ones left and the ones that need doing do need silly money and they're, they're, the, the price point of Volkswagen's has changed you know the yeah. VW split screens have plummeted in price and bay windows and stuff have anyway um, and to be honest I, I, you sort of get to the point where if somebody brings a split screen bus into me and says it's got a bit of bubbling in the floor I know it needs new top hats new bulkhead new this new that you know you know that because you've done it so frequently so at the end of the day, I don't do, I wouldn't take on another, I think to be honest, I don't think I take on a full restoration anymore for anybody else. I'm mm. 51, um, my previous job affords me a reasonable pension when I'm 55, which means that I suppose at 55 I could retire if I wanted to. I yeah. won't because I'll be bored out of my brains. Yeah, yeah. Me bored out of my brains is not a good look because it just isn't. Um, but, um, and, and I have to stress, we have a fairly meagre life. We don't go out drinking. We don't, well, I don't drink at all, but we don't go out drinking. We don't go out eating. We don't do the socialising thing and all that sort of stuff. Sam and I have a fairly um, mediocre 
almost mundane life, but we enjoy our time together. Um, so we're not spending money here, there and everywhere. Um, the cars are my hobby. My cars are my enjoyment and I enjoy working on them. I don't need to earn a lot of money. Mm. So because of the aforementioned, we don't have a, you know, huge overheads. We don't have huge outgoings. You know, we don't go out for meals every night at yeah, 50, yeah. 60. So what's the cost to go out for a meal now with a bottle of wine? 70, 100 quid. Yeah. yeah. We don't do that. I can't remember the last time we went out for a meal together. You know, it just doesn't happen. Well, uh, Valentine's is coming up. Maybe a bit of effort might be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> every well, well reminded. I'd forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be away racing somewhere. That's, That's probably when race when is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably when. I think Sam's away, actually. She's oh, going right. out to a mum's. It's her fault then. You're yeah, already I am off the hook. Get yourself um, a takeaway. Yeah. Mother's yourself. Day was always the one when we went to the Nove, and the Nove weekend at the end of uh, middle of March was always Mother's Day, which was always quite annoying. Um, I've totally lost my train of thought now. Um, yeah, so we don't tend to do too much in that respect. Um, so, um, yeah, I have totally lost my train of thought. That's right. What are the outside of your interest in cars? Do they hold any like value to you? So, for me, like my car is I. It helps me clear my head. I can go for a drive. I mean, I say it helps me clear my head. It's currently making noises and it's doing my head in. But normally... <laughs> Which we can't find, by the way. We, we yeah, we, look. <laughs> another part of our afternoon was we got my car up on the road to try and find a noise um, and couldn't. Um, but like for me, my car is more than just a style or a thing like that. It, it yeah. adds so much value to my life. And obviously, you've got quite a variety of different interests and stuff. Do they have any individual meaning to you in that side of that? Um I enjoy, um, oh, how best to sort of put that into words. I enjoy the friends. I enjoy car meetings, getting together with car people. Um, I'm not a massive people person. Hmm. So, um, I'm not the guy that takes their car to a car show, stands, stands by it, it and, oh, and talks all day long about their car. The trouble is, we're both not like that. And yeah. We were at the scramble and we couldn't find yeah, each we couldn't other. Find each other because neither of us were near our cars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was right by your car. And I was, I was near your car, yeah, yeah, so we were just, just at each other's cars the whole day. I was uh, talking to Paul. Um, anyway, so um, I'm not a big people person. I'm not a... Uh, I, I don't... I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky I have a group of friends that I've known for years that I can call on for pretty much anything and everything and would have my back and vice versa. Um, and I'd do anything for them and they'd do anything for me. Um, and I'd probably have four or five friends like that, uh, which is a lot, I think, in that circumstance, to be quite honest. And I, I'll include Sam in that. Um, now, um, I don't need somebody coming up to me and telling me that my car's nice my car's good my car's bad mm. um that they don't agree with what i've done to it that they wouldn't have done it that way they can't believe you can afford a rod emery car yeah, yeah that sort of stuff which, which it isn't a rod emery car by the way um, i can't afford a rod emery car because <laughs> i can't um uh, yeah but anyway i can't um you know i i, I don't i don't have that um I just, I just don't have that need. Yeah. So I do tend to turn up somewhere and abandon the car and people can talk about it all they like um, and discuss it and they can take the piss. They can do whatever they want. I don't really care um, because I, 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 it doesn't worry me. Um, I'll go to that car meet and I'll try and find people that I've met who are like-minded people. And, and that doesn't come into 
age. It doesn't come into a, a type of car. It doesn't come into a particular scene. It doesn't come into a particular sex, a religious belief, a whatever politics. It comes down to the fact that actually I got introduced to somebody by somebody else mm. and we went, click. Yeah. I like you. And that's where it stands. Um, and um, I make a decision fairly quickly about somebody and I'll either sit there and talk to them all afternoon yeah, yeah. or I'll wander off very quickly. Well, this is how we met, was at Padlock. Was yeah, just, yeah. I was there because we hosted Coffees and Cars there and you were there yeah. to pop along and be around Coffees and Cars and we just sat and chatted for yeah, a, yeah. a good and hour. That, and so. that's, 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 that's the beauty of cars. I think cars, I think the, the you know, car people appreciate cars no matter what they are and no matter what again type genre etc 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 um you know the, the the guy who's I, I never forget we were at caffeine machine which I, i've been an advocate of caffeine machine since day one i went on opening day wondering what it was and what it was going to be like and i i took a friend along with it actually well, i took along the guy whose camper was sat in <laughs> uh, mark uh, on a very cold day and we left at stupid o'clock in the morning with a guy called Ben Lewis who's one of the best Volkswagen car builders around he'd driven up from Cornwall and stayed at the house and um, we went up there and I had the conversation this is either going to be a complete load of crap yeah. or it's going to be one of those moments when you go we were there yeah, and as yeah. it happens it turned into one of those moments of we were there and um, but Caffeine and Machine as much as I love it changed very quickly from we're going to see the cars mm. um and so on uh, and then what i was going to say was i remember being at caffeine machine and there's a guy in a mclaren center carbon fiber god yeah. knows what it's worth i mean millions absolute lunacy car and there were lots of people looking at it fairly obviously a guy turned up in a metallic black uh, metallic blue Lada neva on air on BBSRSs or reps or whatever they were. Yeah, it yeah. didn't matter. And the car was just perfect. Yeah. And everybody just went, <laughs> Senna. Yeah. <laughs> you can go, you can walk showroom and buy one of those. You can't go and buy one of these. Yeah. And it was just cool. And the, the, the guy, the effort the guy had put in, the vision the guy had got was just amazing. So everybody just gravitated to that. And you're talking about something that it's even in its current form was probably only worth three or four grand so money doesn't come into it and the guy was really cool and everybody had a chat with him and it, it was it was really quite cool and but caffeine and machine changed to me from going to see the cars to basically going to see the people that i'd met yeah. and i've made some really good friends um I, i'd say i've probably made some friends for life from caffeine and machine to be fair people who range from um you know, some of the wealthiest people I'll ever meet in my life doing some of the most amazing jobs that I'll ever meet in my life through to um, uh, my pal Louis. So if anybody's on Instagram, um, baseboy Louis, who is now 17, he used, obviously we all used to be younger, but when I met him, <laughs> he, he was 15 with his dad. <laughs> and this kid knows everything about cars. He's just amazing. He's got about five or six cars, all VAG group as a general rule mm. um and and he's just a nice kid and that's unusual to you know yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. quite glad my children are quite sort of sociable in that respect and you can you know they're quite vocal and whatever but Louis really is and he's a lovely kid and 
um, that crowd. So we're not talking about, you know, it's not about the car. It's not about the money. It's not about the profession. It's not about yeah. looks. It's not about anything. It's about just cool people mm. and getting together, chewing the fat, probably saying a load of outlandish shit that nobody should really say. And it's all politically incorrect and all the rest of it. But that's, that's how it well, it's is. The, it's the shared passion. Isn't it? The, yeah. the, the cars effectively open the door. Correct. That's what they do. They're, they're the catalyst. That's right. We come together for our passion. Yeah. But it's not what keeps you there. It's the people in the conversations. Yeah, and the absolutely. And, the yeah, and, and you, you do. You, make, you meet people. You have fun with people. Um, you know, my uh, people I've met through, through Caffeine and Machine, um, Phil and, and Laura who, who, and Dan, who, who you know, effectively own Caffeine and Machine, you know that they're very welcoming from the start. Well, Dan's been on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so Dan, Dan's Dan's such a nice time. chap. Um, yeah. Dan's a real nice chap. Uh, as is as is Phil and and yeah. Laura. I I met Laura when when at Phil's birthday party one year, and we just had an instant like, and we had an instant like because I don't drink. So as I went up to bed and they're sort of stumbling up to bed, I went, oh, I'll be downstairs in the morning with my smug face on. And Laura just looks at me and he goes, and if you've got your smug face on, I'm going to punch it. And I thought, yeah, that's my sort of person. I yeah. like that response. And, you know, we've, we've got on ever since. And me and Laura are good friends. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it, is about the, it is about the people and uh, it brings down boundaries and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm the first to say, incidentally, that I really don't like the arrogance that comes with certain car owners and the way certain people are and around their cars and you know the whole yeah there's a lot of that goes on and there I, is a I, lot I really dis I really dislike that and yeah. that's an instant turn off for me um, and there are certain groups of owners that tend to this is why I like my Renault. my Renault is a really good barometer for the kind of person that you're interacting when you go to a car event mm. because there's no ego it's a 500 quid Renault 5. Yeah. But I can turn up at a car event and I, a guy will walk over from a million pound car and go, I had one of these when I was a teenager. And I'm like, right, I like you because yeah, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. you're not here because you have a million pound car. You're yeah. here because you like cars. Yeah. And the, at the same event, someone with a 50 grand 911 yeah. can turn the nose up at you and you go, you're the wrong kind of car guy yeah. for me because you've bought a Porsche <laughs> for a status symbol, whereas that guy's got a 918 yeah. or whatever. Because he likes cars and he yeah. can afford a nice car. I I I have the um, I have the one one thing I really dislike is that there's a a situation where and it happens with new cars because it happens with new cars because that's the easy way to buy. So somebody that's gone into Porsche and bought a nine eleven turbo, um, and you'd be nuts to do that cash. Of course, you wouldn't do it cash. So you basically you've borrowed your nine eleven turbo yeah. from Porsche, and it's on the knock, and you pay two or three thousand pounds a month for it, and you write that off in whatever way you find justifiable to do so. That's why Taycans are so popular because it's a hundred grand write off, and you don't pay much tax on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you got your man who's driving around in his purpley pink Taycan, and he on particularly on Porsche forums gives it the absolute nine yards yeah and it's oh, i'm this i'm that i've got this i've got that i've got this i've got that and basically somebody just fucking getting their dick out which i really don't like yeah, there's yeah, no same. need for it sorry for the language but i really don't like that and um and they can be really condescending to the chap with 
the 924, the 944 that they spend every weekend working on that's immaculate, they know inside out, that they love, they cherish, they've really got into. And they can be really dismissive and really horrible. Yeah, yeah. And I got into a bit of a discussion with a guy on the Porsche forum along these sort of lines. And, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the insult was thrown towards him of, hang on a minute, mate, you've rented yours. This is his. He owns it. You've yeah. rented yours and you're giving it the big one like you've spent 100 grand on a car. You haven't. You've borrowed it from somebody. Yeah. I said, it's the equivalent of turning up at a dinner party with a supermodel who happens to be a prostitute. Yeah. You've borrowed her. <laughs> you've got to give it back. You don't own it. There's yeah, no yeah. point introducing her as your wife. She's not there because she likes you. Correct. <laughs> just, just sell it as it is. Yeah. You've borrowed it. You've well, had it on the knock. It, right? there's, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with having it on lease. Yeah, of course there isn't. Enjoying but it for don't, a couple then, of years, but don't, don't pretend don't you Don't give it Johnny Big Bollocks. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, you've bought the car of your dreams, whatever that is, and you've bought it on finance, that's great. But don't diminish the guy who's paid for his outright and, uh, and loves it and has cherished it and everything. We're all into the same thing. Yeah, we're we're all into passion, cars. Not yeah, absolutely. So I do have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about that one. No, and I think yeah. you're right on that because it's coming from the wrong place. Yeah. Like the reason we're passionate about cars is because we like cars and we like what they do yeah. and how they feel yeah, and yeah, what they yeah. make us, and the connections they make in this and the other. Whereas when a car is a status symbol, that's not what you, it doesn't get you involved in the car world it just you're trying to just prove how much money you make it's yeah it, it is it's just a, it's an extension of your ego and that's never a good place to start um you know i and the, the other thing i i think is really marked at the moment I, we're in some sort of crossroads with cars at the moment aren't we with yeah. electric and hybrid and um so on I, I personally think that sustainable fuel is probably the answer but i'm not in any position to to make that happen but that would seem to be the common sense one because all the cars are already there and you yeah, don't need the to do anything the exists, infrastructure yeah. you haven't got to have charging stations for 72 flats at the bottom of a tower block in yeah. leachels it's it's still not going to happen christ almighty so anyway uh, but that's a, a whole different story but i think even though we're at that crazy crossroads in terms of cars and what the future holds in terms of cars in terms of classic cars, I think we're in a wonderful, wonderful state because you can buy any type of car from any era now that is usable on today's roads and you don't have to break the bank. Mm. So, okay, if you want a 1960 sports car, you may want the Porsche 911S. Yeah, you yeah. may want the Jaguar E-Type lightweight let's get silly you may yeah, want yeah. whatever but in reality you can go out and buy a perfectly reasonable mgb yeah you can go out and buy a perfectly reasonable mg midget uh a triumph spitfire mm. and you'll get exactly the same thrill spills and everything else yeah if the reason those, you want those cars is for how they drive and correct what you it's get like exactly the same because yeah. they all drive like crap anyway from there <laughs> <laughs> it's all an experience you never know whether you're going to get there or not um and probably right the way back to the 30s, you can still buy a 30s car, whether it's a little sports car, mm. you know, you can probably still, I mean, the most iconic of all, you can probably buy a, an Austin 7 for less than 10 grand, you know, a little yeah. chummy or something. Um, you know, Morris 8, all that sort of stuff, you can still buy. And they're for like, not huge amounts of money. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want an 80s, an, an 80s hatchback, you can buy one. You might not be able to buy the tin top Golf GTI, Swallow, swallow Lights, whatever else. Mm. But, or whatever they're called. 
um, you might not be able to buy the dimmer Golf, uh, dimmer Peugeot yeah, 206 yeah. GTI, but you can buy something that is of that era yeah. and of the same ilk for very reasonable money. Um, and that probably goes right the way back to the 20s. You might struggle with the exhort Edwardian sort of stuff mm. or some of the brass cars, but most of it's still out there. And I, th I think that's amazing that if you happen to be into pre-war cars, you know, you 1930s, 1920s, you can get into that. Yeah, you can yeah. still get into it for not a lot of money. Um, I've got a 32 Daimler at the back there. And that's, I think that owes me about three grand, mm. you know, and that's with the, very well-known historic body that I happen to pick up by chance. Yeah. So, um, it's it's just, it's just an, I think it's just a great time. And um, going back to the speed shop thing, because we didn't really touch on this. So Paddock Speed Shop, the TV program, is about getting younger people into classic cars. Yeah. Um, it's about the individuality of that. It's about the sustainability of that, you know, mm. the cars that have already been written off a million times over in terms of their, their environmental impact, um, the, the fact that you can run them on sustainable fuel. Um, it's about having a connection with something, yeah. doing something. You know, when, when I was a kid, we used to have um, uh, Why Don't You on the telly, right. and it was Why Don't You Switch Off the Telly and Go and Do Something Else. The irony that that was on the telly was yeah, quite yeah. ironic. You wouldn't get that these days. No, you wouldn't get that. Yeah. To be fair to TikTok, YouTube. they do a screen time thing. Oh, okay. So if you've been on TikTok for a couple of hours, yeah. it pops up and it, it pops goes, up and so get a life. put your phone down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you sad bastard. Yeah. But in a way, There's only so on. many girls dancing that you can flick through. Yeah. Go, and, <laughs> go and touch some grass. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. I wouldn't know. But there we go. So, um, yeah. It's, I mean, cars going around corners, obviously. Yeah, cars going around corners. I don't know what I've just broke, but I broke something. Um, so uh, it's just, I think it's just a... a uh, with so going back to that yeah, with the speed shop and the and the kids getting them involved and they are doing something that's very keen to them they want to learn bringing in the skills mm. being able to use an english wheel being able to use a welder being able to do all that sort of stuff um i, I just think that's a really key thing it's one of the reasons why i was very keen to get involved with it because yeah i think there's a couple um, of places that have popped up in the last few years that have that in mind like the heritage skills academy yeah 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 and the apprenticeships that they help run yeah. is about that look. The people that know this stuff aren't going to be here forever. Yeah. Well, the Heritage Skills Academy, <laughs> so the driver from um, Paddock Speed Shop, Harvey, yeah. he's on the Heritage Skills Academy. The guy who does all the spannering with me, Matt, mm -hmm. um, uh, and this is another sort of transaction of, of things with cars. I'm 51. Matt is 19. Yeah. And we get on so well we've got the same sense of humor we've got the same lack of respect for most things that are politically correct social boundaries yeah social boundaries yeah <laughs> there's nothing he's trying to sit on my lap right now yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah well that's it you know we have these uh, yeah and um i have nothing in common with 99.999% of 19-year-olds. In fact, I would run a mile. If a 19-year-old came over to my car and wanted to start talking about cars, yeah. as a general rule, I'm running the wrong way or the other way because I, I'm not going to have anything. I've got no common, common 
thing with 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 music, with, yeah, with yeah. probably with social values or anything. Even the language is different. Even though, now, yeah, yeah, absolutely, they speak really <laughs> funny kids these days. Um, I mean, we thought my parents thought we did when we were younger, but Christ, they really do now. Yeah, of course it, it does. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we got as far as using brilliant in wrong context, but they 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 really. Do I got told use... off for saying basically once. Basically, this was recently. So you're not from the black country because basically it's a real black country. Basically, yeah, well, it's a real black country word. This, <laughs> this lady was a lawyer, and I was trying to explain something to her that she didn't know about. I said, basically, this is how it works. She went, don't use basically. I went, what? She's like, basically, you shouldn't use it as a word. I went, in its most basic form, this is how it works. And she like looked at me. I was like. What do you want me to say? Like, <laughs> there's a word for what I've just said, and it's basically. So <laughs> she probably like, tried to scold me for it. I was like, yeah. I don't care. I'm saying the word that I want to say. So shut up and listen. Yeah, lots of things help. change, don't they? <laughs> lots of things change. But me and Matt have me and Matt are very, very good friends, and we've become very close. That's, you know, genuinely All, in fact, all the guys and, and girls from uh, yeah. from Paddock Speech are very much friends for life, um, and. Uh, I just, I just think it's, it's, it's a great time to get into classic cars. It's a great time to be into classic cars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know, uh, the classic car, you know, meaning is changing. You know, two thousand and two thousand and ten is, you know, it's not a million miles away from being a classic car, is it? Well, two thousand certainly now, there. You know, yeah. two thousand certainly there. You got yourself a little Peugeot two hundred six on a Y plate. You're in the crowd. You know, and it's, it's know, a bit it's, strange, really. It's wild and. Uh... Very. I think there's a certain value to classic cars that isn't appreciated by most of the population in that you can actually see how stuff works and you can learn mm. how stuff works and you mm. can get that reward from mm. making a change to something. Yeah. Like most of the modern stuff now, if you can't plug it into a computer, you can't touch it. No. Whereas back in, up until probably, what, 2010, you could kind of tinker with almost mm. anything. Yeah. Like my 86 is a 2014 and I can tinker with most stuff except for the engine and the electronics because mm. it's all behind this black magic cloud of yeah, 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 plugging yeah, OBD2 yeah, yeah. in and sort yeah. codes out. And I don't think there's enough appreciation for just how much value there, were, there is in there an is old a, car. You, you, you said it earlier. A, a computer cannot tell you why your car's making a funny noise at 50 miles an hour. No. Can't do it. And that comes down to somebody and somebody somewhere will suddenly go bang. It's that. Yeah. But you probably change a few things in the meantime. I've, I'm a wheel bearing down. Yeah. We've had it up to try the prop shaft and it's not that. It might be a CV boot on the back. Yeah, like, the CV boot sort of rings bells. I, as I say, I had an Audi A6. I had that. an Audi A6 Avant that went through four CV joints on one wheel. Yeah. And I every time Audi... I went and was like, can you swap this CV joint? The guy was never like, this might be the sign of a bigger problem. He was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Put another CV joint on. I had a CV joint go on mine. Um, but mine was stupid low on a set oh, of yeah. twenty-inch TSW Holstons <laughs> on Pirelli P rubber bands. It was an awesome car. I love that thing. And it was a big three-liter petrol job. Oh, nice. It was awesome V6 job. It was a great car. Um, but um, no, mine would just click whenever you went around corners. You'd just be going round around and click, 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 click. Yeah. Oh, another CB no, joint's gone. No, this was definitely a, <laughs> and it was. It was. It had noises of a wheel about to exit right. stage left so i came on on the motorway once and i think i went all the way at the motorway at about 40 miles an hour and people were looking at me going, what on earth are you doing like when you go which is ironic the yeah. first time which is ironic now because <laughs> most cars i drive i drive at about 35 40 miles an hour at the motorway but that's because that's all they'll do yeah, yeah. without spitting me into the central reservation yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, we said yeah. 50 well i think we hit 55 in the corvette 
and that was like this feels a bit loose because <laughs> yeah, we're just on this is, little yeah. road where it's just moving around it's it's i went to um where did i go i went to bister in it to um oh yeah so scramble. scramble and well, we didn't um, find each yeah other. we didn't find each other i went to that and i touched 80 going down the motorway and as i touched 80 the the tires decided to follow a a rut from a lorry and um yeah it was in that uh, is indicated 80 is probably about 65 <laughs> no no this was on no this was on the the, the, on the, the digital, the digital right. one so i knew it was around 80 but i have to confess that was very much a twitchy trouser moment yeah. i was like oh my god and i slowed right down because i was like oh days that's nasty because oh, the whole car moves like the front moves and the back sort of jolts over because it's on cart springs oh, yeah. at the back and it's a is a um, you know some springs at the front, so the the suspension sort of independent at the front and not at the back. So the front goes oh independent, back thump. And you're like, oh my god, it's really horrendous. God. It's like having a, it's like having a horse that's got two normal legs at the front and the back ones are made it's out of one. steel <laughs> with no with no no hinges in. <laughs> it's really quite scary. Um, but there we go. We uh, I, I'm not the one that's going to have to drive it around a track fast. No, that's all right. That's I might be in it problem. once or twice, but uh, it's somebody else's problem. It's only so, my problem if it hits a wall. What does the future look like for you then? Because we're well over the hour mark, so we might as well start okay, so, um, a, a close because I'm yeah, going to sure. get some dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's the future hold? Um, well, I suppose the future holds, uh, um, hopefully everything goes well with Paddock Speed Shop for them and that ends up on a TV near you in May. Mm -hmm. uh, not sure what channel we're going to be on yet, but that should be around. Um, so fat old bloke with moustache pretty much finds me out of right, that okay. cast. Keep an eye the rest out. of them are all young, young, uh, young whippersnappers, um, and uh, not so uh, not so hairy. And um, race odyssey will hopefully see us racing the Corvette. Mm -hmm. uh, we're probably lining up for next year because. It's not the sort of thing that you just sort of say, oh, yeah, we want to do it a week on Thursday. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to have to get take test time. time and so on, and probably licenses as well. So we'll be able to do, you know, we'll want to be able to take somebody through their international, uh, their national license and so on as required if that's that's part and parcel of what they need. Um, so uh, speed shops there. Um, personally, just carrying on building my own cars, getting the customer stuff done. Customer stuff is really narrowed down, so I, I very, very little customer stuff. I shall finish what I've got, I think, and then that's probably about me done. Okay. Um, might do the odd little interesting job if it comes up. I get asked to do the odd little thing that I think, do you know what, that's right up my alley. I really like the idea of that, and, and I'd like that. I'm not too sure what that looks like at the moment, but uh, you know, if somebody came to me with the, with the right car and the right vision, I think that would, that would work. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's about it. There's um, a couple of other things that I'm not allowed to talk about because of NDAs, but um, that should happen. John's secretly an international spy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you don't have to sign NDAs if you work with the MR5, apparently. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll just shoot you if you say. Anything. Yeah, yeah. If you say anything out of line, you just end up in the tower. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, it's classed as treason. Oh. <laughs> treason. Um, no, uh, so that's that's going to be interesting. So that should the 2024 looks like it could be a really interesting year oh, um, for me, um, and hopefully it will be. Um, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes in terms of making sure that the workshops a lot more organised and and so on, trying to get thin out a bit in terms of all the junk that's lying around that needs to be gone and 
trying to make sure we've got the right parts for the right cars and all that sort of stuff, which uh, is quite an exhaustive process. I've got, I want to get the race transporter done, I want to get the Corvette sorted. Um, the 912 is a, an ongoing project mm -hmm. and, and so on, as, as is all of them. So it's just a case really we of... We didn't really... even mention the basically RWB star nine. Yeah, all the Merc, all the Range Rover. All the Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the, nine, the 914 is, is a crazy creation. So that was just something I... I, uh, I bought a 914 because I really like them and I spend a lot of time with the 914 guys around the Porsche scene. Um, I think there's a bit of a four-cylinder loving going on with the 356, to be fair. Uh, and I, I bought one, bought it in from the Isle of Man. Nobody else wanted it because it was in the Isle of Man. And to get it on the ferry was, with a trailer, was like £1,400. <laughs> However, folks, if you get your vendor to push it on the ferry... Right. on one side and then your man goes and pushes it off the ferry when they pick it up it's classed as cargo and it's 200 quid so basically it becomes a roll-on roll-off piece of of cargo which is exactly what i did um when i got it here i i happened to have a set of escort mexico forest arches sitting around why i don't know i'm not a forward man and i just sort of threw one up against it i went Ah, that works. Yeah. So I, I went along the lines of uh, throwing them in the bin and making some from scratch, which I'm sort of probably about three quarters of the way through. Yeah, so it basically is an RWB vibe to it. It's got those yeah. big arches. So You've massive bolt-on arches. 993 RS wing on the back. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I've got an, a genuine 993 GT2 wing. I have no idea where that came. Oh, I have a friend of mine, Tom, he had one. And I bought it off Tom for next to nothing bless him um and it is a real one and <laughs> and i then chopped it up and put it on the back of the time on four um, with lots of lots of subtle mods and so on and so forth i don't get too much detail but yeah if you can imagine an rwb 911 this is an rwb 914 yeah um and so I'm, you could go to porsche events and people who think you've got both a rod emery and an rwb, yeah, and an RWB like, yes. i made them both myself <laughs> yeah i made them both myself this is what i had look at this is what i made earlier um, so the 914 I really want to finish that's something I really want to finish and, and get on the road because I just think it's a bit bonkers yeah. and it, it's quite it's very I, I like most things I've got silly wide arches and bonkers bonkers things but the 914 is really a, a massive extension of that and I, I really like the idea of that one mainly because it's based on the 914 and it's a, a bit of a love-hate car yeah. very similar to an RWB you know Absolutely. people either love RWBs and I have to say I do um I think it's uh, a real. I think it's just an amazing niche that that uh, you know that they've done there because there are very few companies and very few ideas in the world where you could turn around and say, "Hi, I'm you build a car, basically paint it all and get it all absolutely tip top, and then I'll come along, cut it up, stick one of my kits on it, which are made out of fiberglass. It'll take me two days. I'll smoke a million Marlboro yeah, yeah. and drink God knows how much Stella." and charge you a fortune for it and then bugger off without saying a word and <laughs> Get it works it, yeah. and it works <laughs> and people love it and they and and there's such they a like the character that's it yeah it's they the love the the, 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 the mystique of the guy and, yeah. and also the the fact that um social media has really made that you know it, it's an event having yeah, your yeah. car done well, is an event just had yeah, one yeah, built. Yeah, yeah. and that was like he's got photographers and videographers yeah. and it's all over instagram exactly. it's everywhere and and you know the car 
going to say it pays for itself because I'm sure it doesn't. But you know, it it it, it obviously is a massive advertising thing and yeah. also social media thing. And social media is such a big thing, which is something that my generation don't get. As a general rule, my generation don't get. Um, you know, I'm about as old as you can be and understand how social media works. Yeah, like, I, I'm probably at the top of the. This is how social media works. Yeah, as a general thing and kind of growing up. You know, with the, a bit the, of the, the, yeah, there's no. Um, it's so difficult to explain what pre-internet, pre-mobile phone, pre when you would social media go outside. Yeah, and you, your parents had no idea where you were. Listen, <laughs> so yeah, we, you know, when we were kids, we would leave the house on, on holidays. We'd leave the house. We'd go and do whatever we were doing, depending on where you lived. Mm. So when I lived in Surrey, we lived at the end of in Adelston in Surrey and there was a massive common at the end of the road we go over the common and we build things yeah. and do all sorts of strange stuff. I remember getting in trouble for buying matches from the shop because we were setting fire to God knows what on the, over the common <laughs> now bearing in mind that I got in trouble because the woman in the shop told my mum that I'd been in and bought the matches the irony was I was about six I genuinely was about to so she was quite happy. <laughs> she was quite happy to sell me a box of Swan Vesta, but then told my mum yeah, that yeah. I shouldn't have had them. You know, guess what? Uh, I've just sold your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did you say yes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it was, and we did. We got kicked out there. We didn't get kicked out there. We went out of the house and we went home when we were hungry. And I know that's a real, real cliche, but it's true. Yeah. And when I was, you know, well, me and my brothers nearly died several, or should have been seriously injured several times because we were just allowed to go and be outside yeah. in, we grew up in the countryside so it was like well it's boring unless you make it exciting so yeah. let's go and i lost my front tooth because my brother shot me with a bb gun excellent and that was That's it a like, quality you, story yeah you go outside excellent. and you do dangerous stuff because it's exciting yeah. and you explore and you learn yeah. stuff we were always into bmx's so i loved my bmx's when i was younger and um we had just up the road we had like a, a ditch that was built to stop Travellers to, like to, to stop travellers going on the land. It was quite an expensive road, and they didn't want the travellers going on the land. Mm. So it was called the Gypsy's Ditch, right? And we used to jump over it. So it was a proper ditch. You know, yeah, you get yeah. a parked camper van in it, and we used to jump over, set fire to things, and it targ on there, and do jumps and all the rest of it. And it was great. And we'd disappear to other places that had little jumps and all the rest of it. That yeah, was yeah. what we did. And and yeah, we were very. Even though, uh, as I say, it was quite a strict upbringing in the great scheme of things, but we 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 had a different level. Whereas now, as a parent, we think there's knives in particular on every corner, which mm. might be the case depending on where you live. Um, there's paedophiles on every corner. There's murderers on every corner. It's totally different. The yeah. world has changed so much, I cannot tell you. And I, I don't envy growing up in this world especially with social media because mm. it's you know when i was 13 if i wanted to call somebody a name the only way they'd hear it you call it to the face is i turn around and go oi you're this and you're this repercussion and you know what and the guy either went oh, oh, well you are as well i know you are i said you are but what am i yeah, was yeah. normally what was said or they punched you yeah and if they punched you you might not say it again. You wouldn't say it again. <laughs> and in fact, I, I, I remember falling out with a guy called Ben Millwood. And the first time we met was outside the shops by his house. And we had a, 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 a words were said and he punched me. 
and we were really good friends from then on, <laughs> yeah. and we're still friends now. And that's forty years later, nearly. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're still friends now. Um, so it's it's really weird how things change. Whereas now on the internet, people can they they talk behind your back and they can slag yeah. you off to each other. And before you know it, this whole thing just descends on somebody, and it, it's, yeah. it's 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 oh, it's horrible. I don't, I, don't, I don't envy that at a all. A very real <laughs> bringing back physically saying something to someone scenario almost happened recently because I'd disagreed with someone on the internet mm. but I know them mm. so they're someone of relative public known who I'm not going to say because it's not a bitching match go on say no well, they're, <sighs> they're quite well known and I disagree with some of the stuff that they do because I don't think they're helping the car community okay I know yes yeah. we talked about, We've talked about it already. I know who it is yeah okay so I don't agree with it, and they won't take any accountability for the impact that they mm. have. So they've got a reasonable amount of following, so they therefore are pretty much an influencer. So they should have accountability for their influence. Yeah. If you're going to be in that world and do that sort of stuff, you have to have some accountability. Yeah. And I don't mind calling people out when they're doing stuff that is negatively impacting people. Yeah. And he just started this back and forth, and it just it devolved quickly from me going, you need to be accountable, you need to take responsibility and then going no i'm just doing this no i'm just doing that and it just it's like fighting with a pig and shit eventually mm. you just have to realize that you're not getting anywhere and they're probably enjoying the wind up. Yeah, yeah, yeah so i just i was like right whatever and then they deleted the whole thread yeah i was like right okay clearly you don't want people publicly seeing you being called out by the by so i was invited to do something that person was also invited to do something by a mutual friend and I haven't had it confirmed because it's all speculative, mm. but it was a, oh, he's going to be there, so I'm pulling out because that's what happened. I turned up and they yeah. didn't. And I, it wasn't until I got there that I found out they hadn't, they were involved and then they pulled out. And I was like, that's because I would have said it to their face and I'd have gone, you're being a dick. Yeah. Stop it or mm. at least have some accountability and think about the knock-on effect. And people cannot handle that in the real world anymore. No. It, well, that is, that's it, yeah. I heard he got people... distracted by a children's party at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to carry down that thread, just because I'm not going to be slandering on the internet. <laughs> okay, I'm not slandering. I'm merely saying that I've been children's parties at McDonald's are great. Well, it's a shame they you got rid of all the happy meal. frames, though, because when I was Climbing a kid, you, the McDonald's had like the big plastic tube play centre things, uh, so you could easily lose. So going back to how the world's changed, when I was a kid, you go back to the park, and in the park you had. Big swings and little swings. Little swings were like swings you now get. Yeah. Big swings were... L launches like the for children. It was like yeah. the chains off the Titanic. and yeah. you, you could really get some good air and you'd have like a slide. And the slide wasn't like your average, you know, six foot off the ground. It'd be like a, proper extendable, a proper extendable ladder that then went down this metal slide and it was all made out of steel. Yeah, yeah. And the stainless steel chute. And, and you had the, off a roundabout <laughs> that was really hurt. You know, you could get thrown out all over the place. Yeah. They don't have things like that anymore because they don't trust people not to hurt themselves. I think it's also because people hurt themselves and they're not... But it never did anybody any harm. <laughs> it, it, it's not that. I think it's because it takes one idiot and if there are more than one idiots around... They have to go, right, there's a pattern so they, But this is something that I, again... So go, go but car, you learn from the mistakes when you're a things, kid, don't you? In this country, if you're in Britain, England, wherever, let's say Britain, if you go to a car meeting at a, let's say, Race Retro, which is coming up, yeah. okay? And this is no disrespect to Race Retro in any way, shape or form. It's just the way we are. So 
you go to rest track road, there'll be a rally track and there'll be a this, that and the other track and a bit of a burnouty bit. So if you go to Castlecombe or whatever, you can't do, you know, you're not allowed on the track. You're not allowed to drive around. You're not allowed to unless you've paid and you've got all the kit and everything else. And it's, you know, oh, you can't turn left there because you can't. Why not? Well, because there's a, whatever, there's a spike on the end of a fence about 400 yards from the road. So you can't go down there. Okay, and we're very nanny, we're very told what to do. Whereas when we go to Belgium, we go to Spa, to a big VW show, and you can queue at the bottom of Eau Rouge, so where that little lovely kink is. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. And before you go out. up, you, there's a little side road there that comes out the old pits. Mm-hmm. And you can queue up there for nothing. You just queue up there, and every so often they let you out on the track. And you can drive around the track. And you drive however you want to. Most people go slowly because they want to look, but not everybody does. But there's no way you'd be allowed to do that in Britain. No. Because, because you're not allowed to, somebody would drive like an absolute tool and spoil it for everybody. Yeah. Whereas, because you're allowed to... It's just normal. It's normal, so everybody drives with a fair amount of respect. I think the same goes with things like public toilets. In this country... Public toilets get used and abused. Mm. You know, you go in and it says Carla loves Fred, but it's written on written on the walls in somebody's shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you think, why? You go to France, that doesn't happen. And the reason it doesn't happen is because you have to pay 20 cents to use the toilet. So it has a value. Yeah, yeah. So because it's cost you money, you don't destroy it. But because it's free and taken for granted here, we seem to be quite happy to destroy things like that. That's it's a just bit a of a weird... juxtaposition in those two situations because you go to Belgium and you go to Spa and it's free and you don't piss about. Yeah. But you go to the toilet but here and it's you, free and yeah. you piss about. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. the exact yeah. opposite. But it's of just, a... I don't know whether it's a respect <laughs> thing. I don't know whether it's, if we don't have the boundaries here, we abuse them. Um, you know, I think there's a... It's like the Autobahn. People don't, people don't drive thing. like complete lunatics on the Autobahn just because you can. The odd one does and the, the outside lane is a sometimes a bit frightening, especially if you're used to driving in the UK and you, you pull out at 80 and go, yes, I'm in the fast rate at 80, and then all of a sudden the Someone's on your M5 is <laughs> coming at the back of you doing 130 mile an hour, which is very fast. Um, but They you know, appear very quickly. Oh, don't Nobody realises how don't far away... Just... The, the horizon from sea level is about three miles. Yeah. So if you're downhill and someone comes over the horizon, yeah. they're a bit closer than three miles. Yeah. And if they're doing 130 mile an hour, they're going to be with you very soon. We had a lovely, lovely little... Um, uh, some light entertainment with a Brabber C-Class going down the autobahn once, <laughs> which was quite fun. <laughs> I, I was in a van on the A43 near Silverstone. Yeah. Inside lane in a van. And a E53 came over the horizon. Mm. And by the time I went, bloody hell, he's shifting. He'd passed us. Mm. And the guy that was in the passenger seat of the van wasn't a car guy, so he didn't know like any of... He, wasn't, mm. he was like... What just happened? I went, that Mercedes just came past us at about 150. Mm. He went, I didn't even know that that was a car. The van just went, yeah. and there was a noise. I was yeah. like, yeah, there's the Mercedes over there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just it? insane. Um, there, there's, there's some proper fast. I had a, <laughs> in amongst all my silly cars, I did have a Mercedes E55 AMG, the E, uh, the, the two, uh, W210. Oh, right. So the proper old, prop, yeah, yeah, a proper yeah. one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Proper Mercedes AMG. And I bought it off, I bought it off a guy who works opposite now, actually. He's, uh, he does a load of um, machining work. And uh, I bought it off him, and I paid very little money for it. And I tell you what, that was a lot 
of fun. <laughs> that, but the problem with those things is that they would, if it was, oh, we were in Wiltshire, if it was raining in Somerset, mm. the back end would get a bit lively. Yeah, yeah. I've never been in a car where I've actually gone to take a roundabout totally normally and the back end has just <laughs> literally just power sliding yeah. around the corner. No, it was mental. A friend what a great of mine car. had a, I think it was a E53 or 63. 63. It was the E63, but Brabus had had it. Yeah. And he took it back to them and said, can you turn it down? Because yeah. they had it at a thousand brake. Yeah. And it was like... Oh, that's one of the big 7.9s, yeah. Well, that was lighting the wheels up at 70 on the Did motorway. you ever see my CLS? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I purchased from, I went down to London to pick it up. I've always liked CLSs. The same shape as Phil's? Yeah. Ah, right. So just after Phil had his, um, I, I went down to London. I always liked CLS, and I have to say Phil's was a bit of a, an influence on me because I did like that. His is that deep red as well. Yeah, right? it's that nice. Works. Ron so, Burgundy. In fact, he bought that locally. I, I went and have a look. I had a look at it for him here before he right. bought it. Phil from Caffeine and Machine, just yeah, for reference. Yeah, just Mr. McGovern. Um, so, yeah. And... Um, I went to have a look at this thing and I, I picked it up and it was a full factory Brabus diesel. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't just the diesel pack. Yeah, yeah. It was a full factory Brabus with every option, with every... So it had the body kit, it had the wheels, it had the fog lights, it had the lighting system, it had the interior, it had the engine, it had the exhaust, yeah, everything. Yeah. It was the full nine yards. And that thing was mental. And I drove that. I love that car, I have to say. And I used it all the time. So I used to go to the rugby at Gloucester. I go and watch the rugby at Gloucester. So I used to go out there and all the time. And I get to, I get there and back on 20 quid. Uh, it's an hour each way. Mm. But the power in it was just unbelievable. The torque. Um, I can't remember the numbers now, but if, if you take the AMG CLS 55, mm. it was more powerful, more torque than that. And it did in excess of 55, 60 miles to the gallon. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it? it's just, what a mental car. Yeah. Um, and I only sold that because I bought the Range Rover. Oh, right, off. which is also fun. Yeah, so the Range Rover is a bit too good to be true. So. A friend, a very good friend of mine from Caffeine Machine, Duncan Mitchell, who I love dearly, he is a Range Rover mad. He's got you know new ones, he's got old ones, he's got the um, King a couple of Defenders, yeah, he's got a couple of Kinsley Defenders, uh, and he's Range Rover mad. And this was his old runabout for taking the dogs. Anyway, so he never intended to sell it, and his wife decided she quite liked the new Defender 110. Right. So they decided to buy the new Defender 110. And they were sort of, oh, I'm going to get rid of it. And he put pictures of it on Instagram. So I messaged him. I said, oh, what, are you, what are you getting rid of? And he went, yeah. oh, it's time for the old time for the old 322 to go. And I was like, mate, just give me a number. What do you want for it? And he gave me a number. And I was like, yeah, OK, I'll have it. I'll come and pick it up the weekend. And and it's just the most amazing car. It's um, It's the supercharged five litre with everything in it it's got every option on it yeah. and it's just the most amazing car it's comfortable it's warm it's got heated seats front and rear heated steering wheels um just you know, the only the... downside is that it's very difficult to drive past a garage 
because it does drink fuel, yeah. but it's just smiles per gallon, and it's, and it's so comfortable, and the driving position is wonderful. So out of all the cars I've got, if I only had to have one... You'd have that one. <laughs> and it was not... Fine. Obviously, you'd keep the 356, sell it, and buy yeah, yeah. 17 cheap Range Rovers, but... If it was just about the car, the Range Rover is the one I'd keep, which is actually the cheapest car I think I probably own by quite a long way. <laughs> um, and it's the one that I'd keep. You'd have. It's just amazing. I love it. Uh, oh, I, I wouldn't want to do school running every day at 50 odd miles, but it's, um, yeah, no. it's good fun. That's the thing. When you can use it in a way that it isn't a pain in the backside, because every yeah. car has a situation where it's a pain in the arse. Mine, any speed bump road hate it it's the yeah. worst place so to i just be. cruise along at 50 yeah you were right bumps, through yeah. school zones and everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that a child <laughs> no that one was a speed bump that's okay <laughs> hey um yeah so what a great car i do i do absolutely love it but it is it is thirsty but i do eight miles to work and back yeah. eight miles to work eight miles back no distance um if i go to um you know if i'm going somewhere of any distance it's comfortable um and you sort of put up with the mileage yeah uh, or miles per gallon and if i'm going somewhere you know if you want to get anything in it you can do um yeah welders i use the great big welding bottles x47s they're huge and heavy um yeah and you'd be surprised what you what cars don't take those whereas yeah, yeah. you take about six of them and you know you can pick up well, pretty much anything in it without too many too many hassles um so yeah just a great 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 car and sounds wonderful and drives wonderfully and all the rest of it ticks all the boxes yeah it does it ticks every box it's yeah it's just those silly things that are expensive on it um unfortunately yeah. you've got a workshop yeah well that's yeah that, you know I, it, it, in fact it's due an oil service so next week or so it'll get an oil service spark plugs probably a um gear box oil change as well mm. just to because it's they, they they all say they're sealed but they ain't <laughs> they all need filters God. Well, Every I'm so often. conscious that I have a two and a half drive. Yeah, no worries. You've got a long drive, this. and we've done another hour since we said we were still yeah, so sat here. So, yeah. An absolute pleasure to sit down and chat after yeah, no a day worries. spent having fun with cars and yeah, tinkering yeah, around yeah. and not Absolutely, finding problems yeah. with my car. Yeah. Um, and finding oil water leak on mine. Yes, which you remedied almost immediately. Yeah. I'm yeah, very yeah. jealous of because yeah. this problem is doing my head in. Yeah. Um, but no, absolute pleasure to sit and chat, mate. No, no worries, I'll, uh, man. Thank I'll be you seeing much. you at Race Retro anyway. Yes, 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 absolutely. Uh, if you want to come down when we're doing some stuff with the Corvette, you're welcome. Amazing. I will keep you to that because that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Thanks very much. No I'm worries. Stop recording now. Cool.